Hello and welcome to another edition of the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, and joining us once again, Kofi Hemingway. Kofi, it's good to see you back. You're feeling good, man. Uh, how you feeling, man? <laughs> feeling much better, man. Last week was uh, was about, man, it's, you, you don't really value your health until it's gone. And so... Uh, I'm happy to say that I breathe in and among the living and uh, definitely happy to be here, man. So, yeah. All right. All right. Well, you're looking good. You're looking good. Calvin, how you doing, my man? It's good to be among the brethren, family, as we say. And I'm excited about this show, brother. Oh, <laughs> are you now? Uh, we call this I, I appropriately – we're going to call this show War Rattlers because we got to, you know, we got to start with some positive news. You know, we're not going, we're not going to dwell in the, in the negative news and the glass half full, glass half empty world of college football. We're going to start this show off with a bang and talk about our lady Rattlers out there doing the damn thing. All right. Um, before we get yeah. into that, make sure you're watching us wherever you're watching and listening to us. Make sure you, uh, Hit the thumbs up, like, subscribe, wherever you're watching us at. Make sure you're following us on social media at ONG Strike Zone. And go download that Jericho Broadcast Network's app on your Google and Apple Play Store at MyJBN and MyBCSN. And, of course, whenever you have comments, you want to send us a note, that email address down there, ONGStrikeZone at gmail.com. Um, and, and we'll kind of take a peek and see if we've got any uh, messages or comments from anybody over the uh, over the past few days, but uh, yeah, we 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 gonna talk about we gonna start with the with the positive news. We are gonna start with the big news from the weekend, and that's talking about the Lady Rattlers, our volleyball program, um, with a big win, big sweep. Matter of fact, in Auburn, Alabama, went out to Auburn and took down just just took the birds right out the air. Uh, defeating Auburn University on their home court three games to two uh, war rattlers. <laughs> and uh, that was a big win. Uh, well, gentlemen, your thoughts. And then, uh, then we went on to sweep the weekend. So just your thoughts. Uh, we'll kind of start with Kelvin and uh, we'll kind of run around the horn there. Man, I'm so excited. I'm so happy. I know coach will be on a little bit later. We've had Dominique on the show. And I'm excited that, man, we were the first ones on this, right? We had Coach yes, we were. season started before the first tournament. And, uh, he, you know, when we talked about it and, and we all had some really good feelings. But until you see, you never know. And, uh, you know, we had a couple of early tournaments. And, you know, we, we went into, um, I think we only lost 
two matches, I mean, two games in once in a uh, tournament. And um, that was the one down in, um, I think, Gulf Florida, Gulf Coast, down that way. But um, this team looked like they have gel. They're playing well. They're playing well against out-of-cops. You look at the uh, swag as a whole, man, and collectively they have to – you had to add a wins together to get where our girls are. So I'm really excited about this team. I'm proud they're doing us. Uh, they make us proud, representing the orange and green well. And, man, man, what can you say, man? We we got something to brag about for sure. Yeah, and by definitely, the way, definitely. Yeah. Undefeated too. Yes, yes, they were all undefeated. Um, those scores, by the way, uh, first, first set, uh, first first set, uh, Auburn took that one 25-23. We answered back, taking the second, 25-21. Gave up the third to Auburn, 25-20. Then took the fourth, 25-21. And then in the fifth set, which they only played a 15, just to let people know, the first four sets, they played a 25, got a win by two. And then the fifth set is a 15-point win by two. We won that 15-11. to 11. Uh, Kofi, your thoughts on the Lady Rattlers balling up in uh, Auburn, Alabama? I mean, what more can you really say? I mean, they they went out there and they earned it. Um, It's a testament to the program, the infrastructure that uh, coaches put together. These girls are playing with a ton of confidence, a ton of energy. And uh, I would, you know, they haven't peaked yet, which is actually a good thing. Um, as they prepare to go into the the SWAC schedule and really the rest of the season, um, it's important that they're playing their very best ball near the end. And uh, as they continue to grow in confidence, I think that people are going to see just that. Do you guys recall, I, I know Dominique set a record number of kills in uh... – I believe it was the Florida Gulf Coast match. I don't. I don't remember if it was if it was quite thirty. Do you remember? Either of you remember what she hit? I was looking through my notes trying to see if I could find it. No, I don't have um, that in front. So she ended up with twenty eight kills against Auburn. Um, also, want to make mention uh, Emerald Jacobs with eleven kills, Karina Pressor with 10 kills and Isis Williams with 10 kills. So, you know, four Rattlers with double digit kills in that, uh, in that contest. And then in terms of assist, I mean, I, I think just by stats alone, uh, Iram Ukar is just running away with the statistics. I mean, you know, she had 57 assists and only one error. Uh, that's a pretty high ratio. I think. I mean, so uh, that that's just an outstanding uh, statistic line for her. And then in terms of digs, Jessica Long with 32 digs. Uh, Dominique ended up with 17, Iron with 11, and Emerald uh, with 11 as well. But, uh, again, those three ladies, uh, I, I mean, it's a team effort, no doubt, but that, you know, we, we're, we, we have the right players in the right spot. It's like, it's like having a good – football team, just to compare for people who, who are not really familiar, it's like when your running back runs for 
you know, 150 and two scores. Your quarterback throws for 350, and your top receiver gets 11 catches for 175 and two scores. I mean, that that's what that's what Balance. we're doing on the volleyball court. That's the equivalent, right? Balance. What? Well, yes. Well, Brian, to speak to the dominance, just look at uh, the uh, SWAC uh, Volleyball Players of the Week Award. Nobody has won, has won it except Fam Ewing, right? All three spots. And this is the fourth week in a row. So we are definitely uh, playing at a very high level, and people are recognizing it. Yep. As you point that out, for the fourth week in a row, Rattlers have swept the SWAC honors this week. Uh, the offensive and newcomer of the week is Dominique uh, Washington. The defensive player of the week, uh, Jessica Long. And the setter of the week was uh, Ira Mukar. And so that's the you know fourth consecutive week for Ukar, fourth consecutive week for Dominique. And I believe that's the third for Long, for Jessica. Because uh, I think that very first week, Dominique had defensive player of the week, that one. Uh, and, then, and then, you know, I think we kind of moved away from her, you know, Long kind of stepped in there in that role. Um, so that uh, that's a big weekend. And then the other, you know, make mention of the other teams that we played. We beat Belmont three games to nothing, 3-0. And then we took out Nichols State, 3-0. And just to put it in context, guys, last night, you know, I was watching. I just happened to cut on the TV as I was about to break down some film of our game against USF, and I couldn't watch much of that. So, I, I thankfully, I, I flipped back over to the volleyball match. I was watching Belmont against Tennessee State. And Tennessee State now, Tennessee State is only 8-1 and one in the OVC laughing cover, right? <laughs> um, Tennessee State is 8-1, and one, and so the OVC started. Belmont was like two and six going into that contest. Of course, we beat them 3-0. They beat Tennessee State uh, three games to one. And really, you know, I watched that watching that Tennessee State team. That's a good Tennessee State squad. So to see Belmont take it to them, and I was a home game for Belmont, Belmont, but to see Belmont take it to Tennessee State in four, and then knowing that we just took out Belmont in three straight. I mean, Coach, we'll talk to Coach about that a little bit later when we have him on at the top of the second hour. That's got to be a real positive, and he's got to feel really good about his team given the level of competition that we've played. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the volleyball team is in solid shape, and if they continue, they'll make all HBCUs proud. Um as they prepare to go not only in just the SWAC tournament, but then hopefully the uh, the NCAA tournament as well. They'll be highly competitive, and uh, Rattler Nation has a lot to be proud of regarding this program. And let me just add to that. No, I, yeah, go ahead. We're going to the you know, conference. Uh, we're going to the conference now, and we got some home games coming up So um, in October. So we, we need Rattler Nation to come and support these young ladies in this program. They deserve it. Yeah, um, I want to pull that. I want to pull that up. Uh, that that home that schedule here that you that you just mentioned. Um, obviously, we start this weekend 
on the road in Mississippi at Jackson State and then traveling over to Mississippi Valley State. Uh, Then we, on October 1st, Friday, October 1st, we're traveling over to Daytona Beach to take on Bethune-Cookman. Our first home game is October 10th in the Lawson Center against Prairie View. Uh, Actually, that's a Sunday, October 10th, in the doubleheader. We've got Prairie View and Texas Southern, so a morning and an evening. And then on Monday, the 11th, we've got Southern. So you've got three home games in two days. And so, uh, you know, that'll be a a good opportunity to get out and uh, and support. I have no idea why. Is October 11th a holiday or something? Why are we playing a game at 1 p.m. in the afternoon? Anyway. That's a, I, I just looked at that. Veterans Day is coming up. But I thought I that was in November. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll we'll get into talking a little bit about the opening of the SWAC season thus far, and uh, some we'll we'll look ahead and talk about Jackson State and Mississippi State shortly. But uh, you know, we 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 couldn't. We were one of the first people to kind of give you all. A heads up about our our Lady Rattlers and that program, and so we we could not not talk about the big win. Our record is eight and four, and actually, in terms of looking across the landscape, I mentioned Tennessee State; they were eight and one up until last night. I believe it's Delaware State in the MEAC. Uh, no, yeah, Delaware State in the MEAC has a twelve and one record right now. Um, that is the only other team with a record of note. Uh, now, you know, if I if I do a quick little glance at some of those teams that they've played, you know, some of those schools in the Northeast, uh, you know, I know they got Bowie State on here. So, I mean, they're playing a lot of schools up in that north in the NEC. And, and so, I, you know, I, I don't know what the level of competition is like up there. It's hard to rate it all. Um, you know, there's there wasn't much in the way of ratings that I could find for a volleyball team, but, I know when I looked at Massey ratings, we jumped up somewhere in the 160s, but that's like every NCAA program. So we were the top-rated SWAC team, of course. Uh, top, you know, so 160-something was pretty good. And Auburn was something like, uh, well, currently 90-something, but they dropped about 15. So when we played them, they were ranked about 70th, so. Needless to say, but again, coming up later, Coach Gokhan Yomaz, uh, top of the second hour. So, what else happened this weekend, fellas? Anything else going on this weekend for you guys? Oh, yeah, there was – oh, no, anyway. Um, this weekend, the Rattlers, our football team, went over to Tampa, took on USF, lost 38-17. to And, uh, well, let's just go around the horn because I think we have – and we can kind of talk about the uh, game recap and all that stuff, but we we can just go to some of our takeaways. Let's just go to, you know, three to four takeaways from the game. A lot to unpack from this game. Kelvin, since you were in the building, you happened to make it over. I'm going to start with you. Give us your takeaways from Saturday's game against USF. Takeaway number one, I'm I'm, I'm that half-glass full guy, right? Um, The first half was a little tough to, you know, watch and everything, and it was disappointing, to be frank. 
However, takeaway number one, I saw adjustments, right? We came out in the second half. Um, we went tempo. And um, if we had consistently got the, the play calls in on time uh, throughout that quarter, I think we would have even been better. But um, the second takeaway is we realized that we have multiple running backs. And we have some running backs with some size. When I tell you that uh, those linebackers and those DBs uh, for South Florida didn't want any part of that business, them, them family rattlers running back for springing, man, they were diving at ankles and jumping outside and, and, and going all kind of ways. Uh, we pounded them, and we really controlled. We outplayed them in the second half by far. Uh, takeaway number three for me would be that um, I think we have a formula moving forward for our offense, right? Everybody, because I know that's what everybody want to talk about, right? And uh, and what I was, what I saw was uh, Temple using the run game to set up the uh, the uh, pass. And I, I, I saw the quarterback get into a, little, a lot better rhythm, actually. Um, if you look at the stats, they had about 404 yards offense. We had like 380. Um we out we outgained them passing. They outgained us rushing, but we still had about 160 yards rushing, and um, we averaged more. Again, running backs. We we talked about it the week before. Well, well, Jackson State, where our running backs average five yards a carry. Well, uh, this game, the running backs again collectively uh, were over that threshold. So, um, I I see something that I think will bode well if we stick with it and we take this week off um, and get a little more healthy because there were some guys that didn't play. Um, and I know we'll talk about that later. Maybe y'all will point that out. But um, all in all, I'm encouraged. And I think Rally Nation should be encouraged. All right. Uh, swing it over to you, Kofi. What are your What are your impressions from the, from the game against USF? Well, uh, my impressions are I love the energy that our guys are playing with, I would say, across the board. Um, This Rattler football team plays with a ton of heart. They play with a ton of energy, and they give it everything that they've got. There's no quit in this squad. Um, As Kelvin stated earlier, uh, I think the strength of this team uh, I know there's been a lot of focus on the Rack Boys, but I think for us to uh, get into championship form, we're going to have to strongly rely on the Tote Gang uh, to, you know, really going forward to uh, continue to move the chains and put us in favorable third down positions. If not uh, necessarily, I know that we are still a big play offense. Um, that being said, I think that. As we, as we continue to focus a little bit more on the run game, it's going to pay dividends later on down the line. Uh, and it's going to put our quarterback into favorable positions uh, to be able to convert third downs. Um, and then, you know, if you just think about it, you just look at the average. If you have a running back that's averaging five yards a carry, every two downs you're getting a first down. So, that's not even having to rely necessarily on your 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 third down if your running backs are doing 
the type of damage that they're doing. I'm just happy that uh, I believe that they picked up on that particular strength of those particular strengths uh, that are part of the squad. And I think that it's going to uh, vote well for us given the way that our defense is playing. Um, this defense is a championship caliber defense, uh, bar none. And I think that as this team continues to come together, I think that uh, the run game that uh, that we can, um, that we've been exhibiting over the past few weeks is going to be um, noticeably uh, and I want to say an asset to where we're trying to go. Um, and it's going to put us in championship form. Um, I think that if people look back at your North Dakota states, your Youngstown states, your dominant um, FCS squads, the things that those squads have been able to do pretty much have been able to really run the ball and play good, solid defense. And our skill position people on defense are phenomenal as well. So with the physicality that our defense plays with, with the ability for our defense to also get turnovers, running the ball um, is what's going to turn the tables and put us in a winning position. Um, all right. So you, you sound like another uh, glass half full guy. Um, Absolutely. I mean, you know, now Rattler Nation, Lord knows, we don't like to lose. And we lost two games that we really should have won. Um, we should have beaten Jackson State. We should have beaten the University of South Florida. I know a lot of people probably weren't looking at it, but if you're looking at it even from a glass half empty or a glass half full, um, the last time we played the University of South Florida, they, they scored well over 50 points against us, you know. Um, that last touchdown that they got against us should not have happened. Um, right. We we left 21 points on the board at least um, being in the red zone. We had a fourth down and two, which to me, I'm just like, come on, guys. you you got to be able <laughs> to pick up a fourth down and two. Um, you got to be able, especially with our run game, you know, with people falling down, just short of the, just that kind of stuff. Can't happen, but it did. Nonetheless, the score at the very worst, in my opinion, should have been maybe, I want to say 38, 38-31 us. Um, I think that, you know, you can take that last touchdown that University of South Florida got on the board in the last seconds of the game after we didn't convert the fourth down. Um, that's seven points you can take off. That would be 31-17. We uh, we went for it on fourth down multiple occasions inside the red zone, didn't convert. That's that's still worst case scenario. That's six points right there. So seventeen and six is twenty three. Um, then we had uh, a drop touchdown pass from Zay, which rarely happens. So that's an additional six points. Twenty three and six is uh, twenty nine. You know, that's, that's a minimal, you know. But what I want Rattler Nation to understand is that this team has not played competitive football in over 700 days, 600 days. Even if you say 500 days, that's a long time not to play uh, competitive football. And it takes time 
to get in a rhythm. We say, oh, yeah, it's common sense. We should just be able to just get out there and just, and it doesn't work like that. Um, you know, playing competitive sports um, puts a demand on your rhythm. It puts a demand on your rhythm in regards to your play calling, your execution, your adjustments. Um, it, it puts a demand on all of that. And then also the confidence um, with your squad as well. I think if you look at just even your championship squads uh, on an NFL basis, let's look at the Bucks uh, last year who had uh, all of the all-stars that they have today. Uh, the problem was um, COVID kept them from running in, in uh, their, their basic camps and doing the things that they normally would do, um, going through those rhythms, and it took them three quarters of the season to actually begin to get in sync. And everybody at the beginning was like, oh, my God, Brady and them suck. Oh, my God, this the Bucks. They're, they got all these players. It takes time. It takes time to get everybody on the same page. But around about late November, early December, people started seeing the Bucks get in the championship form and the rest is history. So doesn't matter who's at the top right now. What matters is that this team just begins to build from where they are and begins to get into championship form. So there's no panic on the highest of seven hills. All right. So I'm going to be my my whole as I I wanted to kind of look at this and say how do I want to approach this? You know, I I I am I'm first off I'm I'm disappointed that we lost because I didn't feel like this was a USF team like those other three USF teams that we played. And, and we t- when we talked to Nathan Bond last week, he even admitted that as well. There was, there was no outside of the quarterback at USF who, when he leaves USF, he will probably be a pro prospect. That young no man, I, that young yeah, man no will doubt, be a pro. Man. No you doubt, can man. see that man will be a pro. But, but I, hold I on. If, if, if you're going to tell sorry. me – no, no, no. I, I, because see, what, what's going? And I looked at the participation. If somebody's going to start to tell me that that they're in FBS, they got more players than us. They put, we played more people in that game than them. We did. We played like uh, maybe two more people than they did. Go look at the participation tree. So let's not use now. If, you, if you're going to say that the quality of their talent across the the 55 guys was better than ours? Okay. But let's not use... Absolutely not. You can't say that. Okay. I mean, you can't say that. You saw any time a score, I want to say you're within 14 points or even 21 points of, uh, of a given team, that tells me that your team had opportunities to put points on the board and potentially win. It was not... Um, a traditional quote-unquote blowout. Fam, you had their chances to win the game straight up. But I'm not diminishing it. What I'm pointing out to the fact is that we're not in sync just yet. Um, and well, just when, are we, when are we going to that, – that, okay, know, we, we are three weeks into the season. When are we going to get in sync? Let, let's talk well, about I'm this on the say, other side of the break. That, let's not, talk about not, that on the other side. 
Go ahead, you go ahead before we go to break. Don't be, don't be all setting up there and, and, and doing all the extra and stuff and trying to go to break before I say what I got to say. Now, listen, that's a producer in my ear telling me we got to go to break. It takes go time. Ahead. Finish your point. It takes time. How much time? How much to time? Go, how much, well, I gotta, how much time? Oh, let me come back to this because I got a lot of time. How much time I got to wait? Off and everything. I got something to say. Now go on and we can go and go to break. When we come back, I'm going to finish my statement. Go ahead. Oh, my God. Man, all right. Let's take a break. We're coming back. You're watching the <laughs> ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, and Kobe, we got a lot to rap about here. We'll be back right after these words. This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here are the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Round Table, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. Let's get back to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. Uh, a gentleman wanted to do the Black College Sports Network in partnership with the HBCUs. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. Your ad could be ran here. MyJBN.com backslash support. MyJBN.com backslash support for more information. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi. Getting into this FAMU loss to USF 38-17 to over the weekend. I'm going to let my friend Kofi have these moments before I before I get into my good and bad from the weekend. So finish your thought, Kofi, from coming out of the last segment. Wait a second. Can, I, can't, I can't hear you, thankfully. But go ahead. I, I Hold on. Let me see. Let's try that again. Try that again. Let's see. Make sure we got our mics live and everything. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead now. All I'm saying is championship form takes time. It it takes time to get into championship form. It's it's not something that is that you come out there and it's it's instant. Um, We've got a QB uh, that you know, for all intents and purposes, is not Ryan. And so learning how to 
call the game according to his strength uh, takes time. And, you know, just looking at it, you know, everybody was looking at the fact going into this season, like, oh, my God, we got the Rack Boys. Rack Boys 2.0. Rack Boys 2.0. We got this. We've got all these skill position people out, out wide. But we had running backs that were clearly averaging um, over three yards of carry. So that, to me, says that there has to be a change in philosophy, a change even in the approach, going to the strength of the ball club or what we perceive to be. And even if you just go back to what uh, Woody Hayes used to prescribe to his philosophy when it comes to uh, offensive play calling, it's like, you know, hey, when you put the ball in the air, Two out of three things that happen can probably be bad. You know, one, you can catch the ball. Number two, you can throw an interception. Three, you can uh, you can get sacked and lose yards with uh, by throwing the ball. Whereas if you're running the ball and you're doing it on a consistent basis and you're picking up three yards, three and a half yards of carry that's going to put you again in favorable down and distance. You're able to burn clock. It keeps your defense off the field and it gives you an opportunity. Now I'm not excusing our play calling down around the goal line. I felt like it was piss poor um, in a couple of ages for the same things that I was saying. You don't have to put the ball in the air when you've got running backs that are averaging Five yards of carry. Hand the ball off. Run the ball up the middle. Run the ball. Run a trap. Run a, you know, you don't have to necessarily go wide, but run the freaking ball and call it a day. Give me a bootleg. Give me something else other than trying. And then on, on top of that, um, we've got wide receivers that do have height that can jump, like uh, David Manigault. Um who could have had a couple of corner routes instead of trying to get the ball to Xavier nine times out of 10. I'm like, okay, we've got other wide receivers. We've got other people that can catch the ball other than Xavier, um, who is great, not diminishing any of that, but our play calling was not up to par. And I know a lot of that just has to do with rhythm, but when you have that kind of talent, a lot of times you, you try to, well, what they've been trying to do is I think four speed something that's not there, um, and good offenses know good offenses know how to take what the defense is given. Now my last point is this, and this is my last critique, but and then we moving on from let you say what you got to say. Um, I'm, I, I've been harping on special teams and our blocking scheme um, since before the season started. I, I talked about how. Um, how we set up, how we align when it comes to our punt, uh, our punt, uh, our punt positioning, um, how we're set up, and I don't feel like we're athletic enough with our alignment to to prevent a an aggressive punt blocking team um, like we're going to see with Alabama State, like we're going to see with South Carolina State. Like we're really going to see probably for the rest of the season because we've been getting at least one punt block or a kick block um, 
at least we've been doing that averaging at least twice a year. And I just feel like that should not happen. And I feel like that's one of the reasons how uh, Fadul um, ended up in the, in the shape that he's in, just because I just believe that we're in the wrong scheme. Look, one of, one of the things that I think we undersold was the importance of the quarterback role this year. And, and I mean, seriously undersold it. I mean, we knew coming in that we if we, if we had the right quarterback and, and blah, blah, blah. But when I heard – think about this for a second. And, and it came to – when I heard uh, Coach Simmons in the SWAC coaches media call – and then I thought about the opponent that we just played, right? Think about this. He said Rashawn McKay has really only started 14 games as a quarterback. Think about that. One year high school as a starter, three games as a rattler. 14. And now this is a young man who's in his, what, third or fourth year of high school or college? Third year, I think. Uh that's that's an um, that's a very low number, and I, just the high school part of it. The young man that he played that led USF, Timmy McLean, he played something like forty five games as a starter in high school, won a state championship as a senior. They were playing the they were playing the arm the, the platoon quarterback like us the first two weeks of the season. Notice who they decided on going into that game, and he he lit us up. He did. He did to us what I thought we could do to them. They put their best athlete back there at the quarterback position, and boom, it was gone. He took off. He ran that ship, and that guy, that young man will lead this team for the next three three years in the program. So back to us. Remember back in 1998 when Coach Billy Joe ran the three quarterbacks in three games, and everyone was like, oh, we don't know who we got. We got – Jose Morano, Mike Moran, and then this guy named uh, Patrick Bonner, and there was some there was some madness to that, but there was a reason that it made perfect sense. And I said this way back. I said, you know what? It might not be a bad idea if we ran. We got three quarterbacks who are looking pretty good. I think coaches on the fence about who he wants to go with this season. Why not let one guy start one game, the other guy start the second? The other guys start the third. We got a bye week after the third. Come out of the bye week and decide. Think about where we would be if we had done that. I think we'd be in a better place, personally, than where we are. You know, and I know, you know, there's there's a there's a there's a lot of rallying behind Rashawn McKay right now, but I I don't think we've seen the end of Muratovic, and I don't even think we've had a chance to see Sap yet. Now. Obviously, we're not in practice. Coach Simmons and and and, and the coaching staff, uh, maybe they're seeing something, and there's a reason why we're not seeing those guys. But I, I think we missed the opportunity to see those guys, and for me, that worries me. That worries me about this offense, and, and, and because if we're not going to be the run team, like I said, you guys pointed this out. We pointed it out a week ago. Look, we've got – we saw the we saw the emergence of uh, – of uh, Terrell Jennings. Well, we shouldn't say their emergence because we knew he was there. We knew he was there all along, right? Uh, we saw the debut of Jalen McLeod. That's the young man that Keenan Forbes told me. He told me during camp. He told me during spring media day, uh, summer media day. He said, hey, watch out for McLeod. Okay, we finally saw McLeod and we saw why. 10 carries, 61 yards. 
Terrell Jennings, six carries, 93 yards and a touchdown. I mean, you just said it. Didn't take it. Did you, Kelvin, you just said it. Those guys didn't want any part of those two. 20, 23 and 28 should be hauling the rock 15 to 20 times the next four or five weeks. I love Bishop Bonnet to death. Let's find a way to utilize him in, in another capacity. But running him up between the tackles, let's cut that out. That's that's dead in the water from here. That should be dead in the water from here on out. Coming out, and we're still doing that. Coming out of uh, uh out of the bye week, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand why. Not when you got Jennings and McLeod. There's no way we should continue to do that. I'm gonna give you one more some some more stats from the offense. Five possessions in the first half, we went three and out against USF. Five. The first drive, third drive, fourth drive, sixth drive, and seventh drive. All three and out. Didn't go over 10 yards. Two of those, we went negative yards. The time of possession on those. No drive in the first half went longer than two minutes and 12 seconds. No drive went over 212. That longest drive was a field goal drive that we scored. We scored a field goal. Great. We got three points. You know? Third and fourth quarter is when we had our longest drives. But guess what happened on both of those longest drives? Fourth down, fourth and two on the US, uh, USF 28 by turnover on downs. Fourth and seven on the 15, 12 play drive by. We can't finish those drives. I see the biggest problem. We can't we can't finish. Uh, and our third down efficiency is is really bad right now. That game, we were 5 of 16 on third down. So, I mean, that's just little things that I'm seeing on the offense. Kelvin, I want to give you a last word before we go to break here. We got about a minute before we go to break. So, the count on what you just said, and you talked about the first half in this stats, and you gave uh, flowers to, to their quarterback. But their quarterback stats were worse than our quarterback stats in passing, right? You talked about third down conversion and that there was six and fifteen. We were, I mean, we were five and sixteen. It was six and fifteen. So they had basically the same conversions. The only difference was their conversions were on drives. Their, their third down conversions on drives where they scored, right? So they kept drives alive. Um, and um, we, I think Kobe mentioned we missed a couple of field goals that hit the crossbar and so forth. So in spite of all of that, what you just said. Um, we were we 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 could have been in the game, and we were and st- statistically, I just you know, it was like thirty yards difference offensively between the two teams. So so don't throw the baby out with bath water, man. We 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 found something, and we just need to build upon that that foundation. Now let me I, let me just say I don't, I don't know to, I don't know what we found, but but go ahead go ahead, Kofi. Last last word before we say, go to break. Yeah, you know, when it comes to, you know, just going back to it, again, this wasn't a conference game. So I think it what it did when you play against decent opponents is it exposes, um, I want to say, your thought processes. It exposes your shortcomings and your lack of execution under pressure. Um, you know, those third downs, I haven't seen – I want to see us, again, run the ball more. And I want to see us utilize the middle of the field 
And I want to see us take advantage of our height advantages when we do um, have opportunities out wide. Um, getting uh, Cherie in space in the middle of the field, I think will pay dividends um, regarding our offensive output and where the Rack Boys can get the ball or catch the ball in motion. And Chad Hunter also did not play this game. So, you know, and I think we, we were able to see some of the depth with um, that we had at what that we still have at wide receiver. But I think them having this opportunity this week to work out the kinks and to find their flow and to find their rhythm um, is going to be key going forward. And I think that as long as they uh, pay attention to what's working, a.k.a. Jennings, a.k.a. McLeod, a.k.a. Manigold, um, Cherie, uh, that's more than enough to keep the chains moving. Um, you know, and uh, as our QB picks up just different opportunities to uh, get the ball in space, run the ball when the opportunities present itself, um, the offense is going to pick up steam and they're going to pick up confidence and we're going to be right back averaging 30-some-odd points a game. I'm done. I, I, You know what? If, if we had a soda bet on the rest of the season and averaging 30 points a game, I, I would I – would, I would make that bet with you right now, Kofi. I don't have any confidence. I have no confidence. The rest of the season, we're not going to average 30 points a game. No, we won't. No. We're doing it live, Okay. Do it live. Now, look, I trust our defense. We're going to keep people from scoring. But our offense scoring over 30, I hope I'm wrong. I'll be buying you a case of whatever you drink, Pepsi, Coke, Diet Coke, Cherry Coke, Coke Zero, you call it. Gatorade, whatever it is. Okay. I, I'll pay it. it up right here on the show. I don't see us averaging 30 from, from out of the bye week to Bethune-Cookman. I don't see it happening. I Look, I'm just saying, I want us I, – I would like for us to stop devaluing the FBS game that we could have won. That's all I'm going to say. We could have won this I'm game. I'm not devaluing and I'm gonna it at all. We should have won the game. Okay, we, but we see, we, we could have won the game, but then we keep making, we keep making, I don't want to, I don't know, excuses, or we keep coming up with reasons why we didn't. And when's, the, I, we'll say this last part, go to break. When was the last time FAMU beat a non-HBCU FCS team or an FBS team? The last time was when? Just something to think about. 1999. 99. So two decades, two decades ago. And that's Plus. just largely because we just haven't really played them. And uh, we have, we, we play, that, we play one every year. We, we play one every those, year. We, we, we ain't talking about the, the, the money beatdown games, man. We ain't going, you know, when you got Miami and, and Florida I, and I get Oklahoma that, but and Ohio this, State, man, man, we uh, got a, uh, we got a lot, uh, we got a lot. Okay. I get it. I get it. But we got a lot of money to play this game, and we could have, we could have, we could have been that team that we could have been that ninth FCS team. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm just saying we got a lot more to unpack when we come back. We're gonna talk to the uh, head volleyball coach, Coach Gokhan Yilmaz, coming up out of the break. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi. We'll be back after these words.
Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you guys, you guys do for us. Take you inside the game before the game begins. It's it's the pregame. With your host, Charles Bishop and Neely. So get ready because we pregame harder than the other show's party. It's the pregame. College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Network. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Kofi joining us. Our head coach of our Lady Rattlers volleyball program, Coach Gokhan Yilmaz. Coach, it's good to see you back again. How are you doing, Coach? Oh, I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. Yeah, it's awesome to have you back. The last time we had you on the show was uh, following the exhibition game against uh, US, I mean uh, Florida State. You gave us a, a great uh look into that game and a preview of the non-conference. And and we are happy to say that we were on the train. We were on the bandwagon, on the bus, behind and back in this program before everybody else caught on. So everybody else is showing love. We were there first. And so (laughs) we we appreciate you coming back on. Um, Tell us uh, what are your emotions after – the uh, sweep of three games, including the win over Auburn, uh, three uh, three sets to two this past weekend. Yeah, first off, thanks for having me back, and uh, you're spot on. Um, you guys were um, with us from the start, and uh, we have a group that didn't play last year, so uh, we didn't know how the competition would look like when we started playing. Uh, but we were confident with the talent level we have, Um so the season, we were planning or thinking that we would go 2-1 and one every weekend. That would bring us to 8-4. and four. Uh, We took a little hit um, on the second weekend, ended up losing two matches. 
uh, lost the match. We shouldn't have. Uh, but going into Auburn weekend, uh, our cohesiveness keep getting better. Our defensive energy was very good. And we have a team that plays very calm under pressure. Um, and we knew we would um, really have a good chance against Auburn. Uh, we felt like we were more athletic. We felt like our ball control uh, was better than them. And um, they played, I, I think they were undefeated going into the match. So they played good yeah. volleyball. Um, but they raised their level of play during the match as well. Um, but I, I feel like we could have even uh, swept them. Uh, could have gone 3-0 in that match too. Our kids really rose up to the occasion and played great volleyball, uh, and that's their only loss this season. And then um, played a good volleyball, really clean volleyball against Belmont. And uh, we knew Nichols State was very good. Uh, they had a lot of wins coming into the weekend, and uh, they were playing quality volleyball, but we were able to hold them down at the end of the sets too and ended up winning 3-0 uh, and zero against them as well. Go ahead, Calvin. So, Coach, now that you've got four weeks in, you're sitting at eight and four, um, you've played a quality out-of-conference schedule, and now you're moving into the conference schedule. Has anything changed with the team's approach or expectations uh, as we move into the SWAT schedule and then some home games coming up? Yeah, I agree that we played a quality schedule, um, and um, our RPI jumped big time. Uh, we were 315 uh, in 2019 out of 340 teams. Uh, we're as high as 154 right now, so um, that's a great jump. I think that's the highest jump in the country this year. Uh, but going into the conference season, uh, we were talking to the girls this week as well. We put Auburn as our... Um, marquee match for the preseason before conference started and we did very well this past weekend but now everything is about the conference play we know we have to do well we know we have to win a conference championship um so the focus uh has turned into last year's champion jackson state who was our first match on the road uh in terms of prep um we did similar game prep during the week and with scouting in preseason that we would do during the conference play. Uh, but I believe girls understand that our main focus is to uh, fare well in SWAC and um, see how we can beat some of these teams, if not all of them. Go ahead, Kofi. Absolutely. So um, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you say, what would you grade with 10 being the the highest and one being the lowest, where would you say the team is right now? Uh, I believe we had a very productive um, preseason practice schedule. Um, so before we started playing, before we went to South Alabama, even after that Florida State game, we were seeing a lot of uh, But I think these four weekends helped us practice to stay collected under uh, pressure. And that's what happened in, uh, 23, 23, 24, 23, how do we make the play? Uh, how do we play defense? Who gets the set? And how do we score? So that has improved significantly. Um, so for that purpose, 
for the preseason, I would give it probably seven. But overall, we're probably at six or seven right now. We still have some ways to go. And uh, we divide our season into three. That's pre-conference, conference, and postseason. And we want to be at our sharpest once that uh, conference tournament comes up leading into the NCAA tournament. So you're you're looking because I, I I'm, we were having this discussion just a, a, a few minutes ago when it comes to the process of your team and how they get to peak. So right now, admittedly, right now you're not at maximum peak form, but you are looking to build towards that towards the end of the season. Correct? Yes, that's what we're trying to do, and uh, my teams usually do a good job with this. Uh, we load our practices quite a bit during this time, uh, so we don't give too much time off. Our lifts are full force, um, so our goal is to be um, at maximum speed uh, in mid-November, maybe at the end of first week of November or so, uh, so we can move forward. But we also want to win matches, so we're not... Going overboard with the kids, but we keep in mind that the end goal is the conference championship that uh, we want to show our best at that time and then see how we're placed in the NCAA tournament. Awesome. Right. Um, Coach, I I was uh, telling the guys that uh, I know we beat Belmont 3-0, and as big a win as it was that we beat Auburn, I thought it was just as impressive us beating Belmont 3-0 because I watched them last night open their OVC schedule by beating an 8-1 and Tennessee State team three games to one. That was an exciting game. I don't know if you had a chance to watch that or if you happened to maybe click it on last night, but that just goes to speak to how good a weekend it was by us beating Belmont. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to mention that to everybody. Did you get a chance to watch that contest? Yes, I watched it. I think I watched uh, all three sets. Uh, they wanted four. I watched sets two, three, and four. And I know a couple of the players from Tennessee State. And I like to keep an eye on the regional opponents, too, and the teams we beat because we want the teams we play to win all of their matches but ours. So uh, that helps right. our RPI. Right. That shows people that, uh, you know, we play the quality schedules. So Belmont is one of those teams that I keep an eye on, and uh, they've done very well in the last 10 years. So I agree with you. They have a lot of offensive weapons. Uh, They play quality volleyball. uh, But we were very sharp this weekend, and we were lucky that um, we were able to make plays when uh, when needed. Um, We had a chance to talk to Dominique uh, Washington, a great young lady. It was really exciting to see her story and how her role it's like, you know, she had a, a, a subdued reverse uh, reserve role at Georgia Tech, and then she comes into your program, and all of a sudden she's become a, a star, so to speak. You know, we watched her sort of uh, come out of a cocoon almost and be this beautiful butterfly out on the volleyball court. But you're also, you're led by, you know, I think that what's neat is you've got another grad student, Jessica Long, and then uh, Iram Ukar, and I hope I'm saying her name right. Uh, she's a red shirt junior, so that talk about the experience of those three and, and I mean yes those ladies are getting a lot of recognition uh weekly in the SWAC honors but but talk about the veteran leadership that they bring to this group 
Yeah, they are very valuable to the program, and you're spot on with those three. And uh, I don't know if you all saw, but they won the conference awards again. So Dominique won the player of the week and the newcomer of the week. Uh, Iram was the setter of the week again, and Jessa was defensive player of the week. So for the first four weeks, we swept all the awards in conference. Um, so they're providing uh, that Power 5 experience that we thought we needed when I started recruiting this group because we initially got great athletes. If you look at our program, uh, we have Karina Presuar that's playing right side, an exceptional athlete, one of our captains. We have Isis Williams out of Dallas, uh, incredible athlete playing middle for us. We had Kalia Todd from Birmingham this year, another athlete uh, that plays very, very high overhead. We have Emerald Jacobs, who's also a great track athlete. Um, so those guys make a big difference with their height over the net. But Dominique um, has the demeanor and the skills to add to our passing and to add to our leadership. And uh, she can score with different shots, but she can also defend quite a bit for us. And uh, Iram is from overseas. She has a lot of international experience. She started for TCU. So very good setter directing our offense. And uh, Jessa is one of our transfers from Marshall. Uh, she came here three years ago. Uh, ended up redshirting her in our 2019 postseason band season. And then we, she didn't play last year due to COVID. So she's been training with us quite the betting um a different dimension to us where we can bring a lot of balls back teams as quick as possible, which is uh, almost catching them off guard in transition. And uh, that has up our offensive players uh, quite a bit. So having those three there with their ball control ability, with their uh, game knowledge, volleyball IQ, really mashing very well with the athletic kids because you can't have all high volleyball IQ kids. You cannot have all athletic kids. It needs to be a good mix. And I think we've done a good job with the roster engineering and putting those kids together to be successful. Coach, I don't know if uh, you can answer this point. And I know coaches don't like to look ahead, but uh, I'm kind of interested in the NCAA selection process. You know, FAMU has hosted a regional before. Um, and national national champion that year uh, was uh, one of the teams that came here. Uh, we actually had Stanford and Florida here that year. Uh, but um, what would it take, um, in your opinion, for this Rattler team to be in a position to potentially host a, a first-round regional in um, volleyball? Yeah, that's one of the things I study quite a bit. That's RPI and how NCAA tournament works. And um, back uh, when I was at Florida State, we had a team that ended up third in RPI. Um, so we um, put quite a bit of an effort in how we schedule. That affects how the rankings work. Uh, but with Power 5 emerging so much in the last 10, 15 years, it has made it very difficult for non-Power 5 schools to be able to host. And the reason is volleyball only ranks the top 16 teams. And those mm -hmm. top 16, if they put a bid, they get to host those first two rounds. And each one of those 16 locations have four teams in them. So if you look at it realistically, 
uh, it's not only what you do, it's everybody else in your conference. And that's why we root for all of our SWAC um, friends to win as many matches as possible. So I think as a conference, we have to get to a point where everybody is going out and beating Auburn's, being, beating Tennessee State, beating Belmont's, beating Mercer's, USF, you know, Jacksonville's. So that would pull everyone's RPI high enough to be in that top 16. So for this year, um, we will finish at a good RPI rate, but it's uh, very unlikely we would get that high. Um, and uh, after the first 16, it's all geographical. So NCA sends schools to locations that are driving distance if they can. So uh, if Florida State is one of the hosts, uh, they're in a position to host at the moment. So we would be in the same regional with them, plus two other teams. If that doesn't happen, and if Florida is in a position to host, that would be the next place for us to go. Um, so that's what we're looking at. But our goal is not to be the bottom team in that regional. So we don't play the host team. So they rank that one, two, three, four, the host team being one. So if you're two or three, your first round is not again as the top 16 team. Um, and again, um, SWAG had a couple of wins in the last week. Uh, teams are improving. There are several coaches that are doing a good job. But I think we need to get to a point collectively to win more matches. So when we hit conference play, uh, everybody brings in wins again as non-conference opponents. And I see that happening in the next uh, three or four years. And for us, my goal, um, I don't know if I mentioned this before, we only have one senior in this group. Technically, right. everybody else has an eligibility to come back and play. And uh, we'll still be able to use additional scholarships to bring more kids in. So we can play you in a better schedule next year after hopefully a successful season. Um, so I'm expecting ours to pull up, but it's a collective effort as a conference. And I see that happening in the next uh, three to five years as a conference where everybody's bringing more wins in. What do you got, Kofi? Oh, I mean, this, this is on point. I think this is very informational. Um, I think Rattler Nation has a lot to be excited about going forward and can't wait for the next home game uh, for us to pack it out with a sea of orange and green as we get behind this volleyball club as they uh, go into conference play and, and then some. Coach, let me, uh, let me get you out of here with uh, give us a look ahead. Uh, obviously, this weekend uh, we are on the road. Uh, you're traveling to Jackson. Mississippi taking on Jackson State. So first off, safe travels to you and the program and all the uh, the you know the coaches and the and the players. But let us know what are we looking at. Obviously, Jackson State had a had a perfect spring. Uh, have had a perfect fall on a different side. Uh, it hadn't been good to them the non conference. What can we expect from Jackson State and then later Mississippi Valley State this weekend? Yeah, first off, um, I want to mention that our alumni uh, group in Jackson is meeting us there. Mr. Singleton reached out to us. We really appreciate that. Uh, they're going to be coming up and supporting us there. That's really great to see. And our chapter back in Mobile did the same thing when we went to South Alabama. It's great to see the support 
when we're on the road as well. Uh, it's a very quality program. It's one of the programs that's used to winning. Uh, they have several championships in the last uh, 10 years. Uh, very long tenured coach, um, really good support there. They're very athletic. Uh, they played a really tough schedule. Um, they had a real chance at beating Syracuse, played a very competitive game, uh, played well again in South Alabama. They have a couple of other matches that they did well. And playing on the road always makes us nervous. Uh, it's a place we've never been to. So we'll have a short practice there Thursday after, tomorrow after we arrive at 5 o'clock to get some serve and pass in. Uh, but we have a game plan. Uh, we watched them. Uh, we scouted them. I think uh, kids understand what needs to happen. And uh, we keep pointing out the fact that, um, you know, we need to understand we're on the road and uh, we need to get out there and play with a lot of energy, follow the game plan. If things don't go our way, we just need to be creative enough to find ways to score points and get back into the set. Um, I think we match up well athletically, uh, and uh, if our game plan pans out, uh, good. I mean, kids have done a good job so far following those. Um, I'm expecting this to be a very high-quality match off the bat. Uh, I don't know if it's good to start with the one of the best teams or not, but uh, we're ready for competition, and... Uh, We'll get out there and do our best. And it's a quick turnaround. We uh, play Saturday at Mississippi Valley State at 2 o'clock. Uh, they were gracious enough to move our match to Saturday instead of Sunday so we don't have to stay an extra night. It'll be a quick turnaround. Uh, we'll get there and play those guys too. So that gets us back uh, right around midnight that day, back home instead of uh, driving Sunday. Awesome. That's, uh, that, that's good. And so uh, Friday night again, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central. Uh, the alumni, anybody out in Jackson in the Mississippi area, Rattler Nation, let's go invade Jackson State and uh, let's go support uh, our program. And then on Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 Central, they're traveling up to Itabina to take on Mississippi Valley State. I don't have any information whether these games will be on television, but I, I believe Jackson State, usually streams a lot of their stuff. So, uh, you know, if we get any information, we'll definitely put it out uh, to let people know how they can can uh, to watch those games because, uh, you know, if you get a chance to watch them, uh, you, you definitely want to do that. And, and so uh, good luck to you all, Coach. Uh, we feel really good about the non-conference, but, hey, we start back 0-0. It's 0-0, and we're going into conference play trying to win uh, the first game. One is all we're looking forward to. Uh, on Friday night. So uh, good luck to you, the coaches and the ladies. Uh, thank you for coming on, Coach. We appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me. really appreciate the support. And uh, we end up with a win this weekend. It will be the first win as a SWAC member in any sport. So we're looking forward to representing our university and doing well in both matches. Beautiful. Love That's to cool. hear it. Again, Coach Gokhan Yomaz. Uh, and the uh, Lady Rattlers, our volleyball program, traveling to Jackson State and then Mississippi Valley State this weekend. Uh, make sure you show your support and love. If you're traveling out there, be safe. Uh, otherwise, make sure you tweet, share uh, any any news that you see. Follow along. Live stats, I'm sure, will be going on as well. All right, we're coming up with another break right after this uh, message. Thank you if you're watching the ONG Strike Zone. 
you're looking for the latest information on Southern University sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU Athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. Um, can I get the now bar, please? One dollar. Have a good one. Got it. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Let me get a now bar. Sure. One dollar. Appreciate you. Got it. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi again. Thanks to Coach uh, Yilmaz for joining us. Uh, as always, we want to encourage your comments and questions, whether they are, you know, on YouTube or Facebook, or if you happen to send us an email, ongstrikezone at gmail.com. So real quick, we got some mailbag time, some comments, comments and questions that the people had uh, from some previous shows. Uh, Kofi, let's uh, let's start, because uh, a couple of, I remember... A couple of those mailbag questions were related to uh, to towards you and your top five rankings of the bands and the band programs and the dance team. So what do you got? Well, um, I wanted to take some time out to respond to my friend, brother Edwin Moore, who uh, stated that um, I was on point with the bands but said that I was off with regards to the dancing dolls, that the dancing dolls, um, very few people would put the golden girls over the J sets or the dolls. Um, uh, all right. So let me, let me just say this. I would say traditionally, absolutely. Um, the dancing dolls and the prancing J sets traditionally are the two best, uh, dancing groups in the SWAC. Historically speaking, the Dancing Dolls and the um, the Prince and Jay sets definitely garnered the most traffic. They've been the most successful over the years. 
um, the, the routines that you're seeing in the stands um, when the bands are playing are largely due to what you see from those two squads. Those two squads uh, traditionally, uh, historically gain a lot of attention um, and they're excellent within their own right. That being said, last year, um, the J-Sets had some issues um, regarding some, I believe, some hazing allegations, and they weren't able to field an entire squad. So, you know, three J-Sets going up against 20-some-odd, or I want to say 15, 16 Golden Girls, as good as the J-Sets are, just three versus 16 just doesn't look right. As, as hard as those girls dance, as much effort as they put into it, it was not a quality jig set performance. Um, that being said, uh, the dancing dolls are good. They're still good. They're still very consistent across the board. They're just not as good as the Golden Girls right now. Right now. Right this very minute. Um, that doesn't mean that they're not beautiful. Lord knows they look good. They are still sexy. They are still fine as wine. Their the hair is always done. Their outfits are always on point. I love the way they walk. I love all of that stuff. Just right now, the Golden Girls, from an entertainment um, perspective, from an entertainment value, uh, are bringing just a little bit more to the table than the Dancing Dolls. And uh, the Stingettes are as well. So let me just, you know, I would put the J-Sets um, maybe about fourth or fifth. And I will put the Dancing Dolls third or fourth. And we're just going to keep it moving. Now, that could change before this the season is out. But as of right now, um, the Stingers and the Golden Girls are just a stronger squad. And and I saw a video of the Stingers marching out from, I think it was week one. Uh, who, who did they play? Alabama State played week one. They played um, Miles. They, were Miles. they played Miles. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean. I was captivated. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What? No, nah, it's, it's, it's a big deal. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. I had to send my dad that one. My dad, my dad's an old man guy. He, he he loves when I send him those uh, those videos on YouTube. The old Look, old, the girl, old man guy. He loves it. Though, these, man. It is all out war. I don't think people understand everything that goes into all of that. Um, from the hair to the routines to the walk to the, you know, just everything that put it, they put into that. It's a lot. And I, and it I is. Think that, um, there has to be. I, I, watch, I, I was going to say it. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I, what's cool about watching those videos is you see their routine. And you, you, I mean, you follow along. You obviously watch, and I don't know the terminology. You watch the young lady in the front who's the lead. She gives the instruction. And you can watch, like, her hand movements. She'll tell you when they're going from a two-line set to a one-line set, and you can almost and it's like you, if you've ever marched in the band, and I, you know, a long time ago at an old high school, but anyway, you, if you've been in the band or you've been in any kind of choreography group, you can kind of you can you can pick up on what's about to happen based on the hand signals, and and so it's really cool the whole marching into the stadium thing, which I, that's one of the things you brought out in in this preview that we did. We talked about the swag bands that march in. Um, one of those, one of those things that is just, uh, it's awesome. I, I didn't, I didn't know it was such a big deal. I'll be honest. I, I did not know it was that big a deal 
And now I, I kind of want to know, I want a Twitter feed to tell me where are they marching in from? Where do I need to go stand and be and at what time? You know, I, there needs to be a Twitter feed that just says, hey, be at this corner at X time and I'll be there so I can watch, you know, or, well, or have my camera say, out. I would say if you just pay attention to uh, as far as Bragg Stadium is concerned, um, our next home game is against Alabama State. So you're going to have an opportunity yes, to see the Stingettes. Come right down the little middle aisle with uh, uh, by Howard Hall, um, and they're going to enter in on the um, I want to say the east side of the stadium, as or they might bring them in to all the way around through the west. Either way, they're going to be over there in that corner. So you're going to have an opportunity to see them uh, march in and to see all of the things that they the pageantry and the different things that they bring. And it's going to be the same, really, for any of the bands from uh, South Carolina State's also bringing their band. Grambling's bringing their band. So there won't be a, a, a game in Bragg um, that will be bandless. All of the bands are coming. And the 100 is going to Huntsville. So uh, we don't have dancing girls, but people want to see the band enter into the stadium. Uh, they'll have an opportunity to... Uh, get there ahead of time and watch the 100 enter into Huntsville, Alabama. Hey, uh, real quick, I know we didn't mention this uh, in pre-show, but Kelvin, I don't know if it, or, or Kofi, did you guys see the news that Edward Waters decided to put a limit, a 50% limit on their attendance? Um, obviously, in response to COVID-related stuff, I don't know if it was just because that was in Duval County or Florida. Any fear well, of FAMU doing anything similar at Bragg? FAMU's not going to do that anytime soon. We're going to get through. I'm, I'm promising you that, uh, barring some type of catastrophe, um, especially with the fact that Florida State had 80-some-odd thousand people at their game, yeah. Um, that's going to be the rationale that Courtney Gauthier and the rest of those guys use um, going forward and say, well, okay, well, Florida State had 80000 in their game. Um, we're going to do what we can. Um, this is revenue that we're talking about here. So it would have to be, uh, I want to say, an astronomically bad outbreak for with COVID. Um, not saying that it's not justified, but I'm saying it would have to be super-duper bad for our guys not to be at full capacity. It would have to be catastrophic. Okay. I was going to say, Kelvin, you got a, you got a definition of super duper bad. I, I you know, I don't, it's like, what does that well, look like? Well, no public or no public SUS team in the state of Florida and no pro teams in the state of Florida have put any restrictions on games. Um, I went to the Bucks Falcons game the next day, and you know, so, so, so I don't anticipate unless there's an outbreak that can be actually linked to you know this mass crowd. I just don't anticipate anybody uh, taking any revenue off the table at this point. All right, once again, politics at play. Uh, all right, let's start. I want to just come back and. Uh, in response to, or, or I guess, uh, just some takeaways from the Willie Simmons media call. A lot of people don't get a chance to see those or hear those. 
media calls that the coaches do on Monday with uh, the SWAC. So just some notes here, and you guys jump in if you hear something or you want to interject. I'm just kind of bullet pointing some things. Of course, first thing coach noted or uh, did talk about was we lost Chris Fadul and Ronaldo Flowers to injury in that USF game. He said it's possibly season ending. I don't know if that was for both of them or one of them. Uh, he did not know and did not speculate, just said possibly. Um, I know I saw the very first pump by Chris Fadul where it looked like his in the end zone, it looked like his left leg got just wiped out and there was no penalty or flag. But then I went and looked at the box store. He punted two more times. So it must have happened a little later in the game. You saw it happen, Kelvin. What was your take? I, I believe, if I remember correctly, uh, he went out when he was – I think he's the hold on on, on, on special teams, extra points, a field goal. Okay. And I believe that's where he went out. And when oh, I wow. saw him going up, I knew he was going to be out because, to me, and, I, I, you know, I hadn't seen exactly what they said his injury was, but, but it like his foot wasn't was the wrong way. So I, I figured it was uh, – and it, it's really unfortunate because, you know, this was his extra year. He's a pro prospect, man. And he was such a pro prospect that there was there's actually a chance he was going to get drafted. So, you know, just for that fact alone, man, I, I'm heartbroken about that situation. And I just wanted to, you know, you know, prayers with him and Ronaldo, and, and hopefully they'll come back strong. And and um, but you know that's your best pass rusher, uh, and uh, and the All American uh, kicker. Those are two huge losses, man. And we're gonna see if we got depth for real now. Um, which uh, the 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 guy replacing from Delaware State, he's just lucky. He's a grad transfer. He was an All MEAC. And, and he didn't he didn't look bad, you know. You know, he had one bounce. Uh, we got a penalty right before that that pushed the ball back five yards that made it 50 yards, and he hit the crossbar, but it was a dead center. And then um, uh, then he had another attempt uh, a little bit later that hit the uh, left or right um, and just took the bounce the, the other way. Um, but you, you, it was a new kicker and a new hold at that point, right? They're trying long field goals, and he was right on the spot. So I, I'm sure they'll get all the reps they need in practice, and, and that'll help. But those, those two losses, and we then we had some guys that didn't play. So hopefully we'll get those. Hopefully we'll get some of those guys back, man. And um, and um, we'll see, man. It's, it's, it's conference time now. So that was Romo Martinez, and of course, so those field goals that happened were in the second quarter with. Um, I believe it was about the seven or eight minute mark. And then the other field goal was right at the end of half. So, you know, uh, once again, we, we get ready with a field goal at the end of half or right at the end of the first half, unable to convert that. Uh, so that, that's sort of disappointing, but you know, sounds like it was a uh, close. They were 45 yarders. He hit a 49 yarder earlier. So, you know, it's not, it's not an issue of the distance. Uh, he has kicked and punted before, so Coach Simmons is comfortable with the fact that he'll be the uh, heir apparent with uh, there's a young freshman that Coach recruited that'll be kind of the backup punter as well. Might might even get a few punts 
if they want to give Romo Martinez a break. Uh, by week goals, uh, obviously the Rattlers are on a bye this upcoming weekend. We play Alabama State next weekend. Coach said the bye week goals include rest and get healthy uh, for the students to catch up on their class and academics. Recruiting, big recruiting weekend for the coaching staff, I'm sure, because they can get a chance to get out to all the high schools around the state of Florida that, that they need to and want to. Uh, also an opportunity to do some internal evaluation, schemes, tweaks, personnel changes, things of that nature. And I, and I think we all hope that uh, that uh, happens. And, and then uh, a fifth points. one he kind of added. <laughs> and a fifth one he added was to get the younger guys uh, some reps in practice this week. Uh, another thing that came out of the call, of course, Marquise Bell, 15 tackles, uh, the total stats was 15 tackles. Ten of them were solo. One tackle for loss, a sack, a forced fumble. You know, everyone, uh, all praises to Marquise Bell, uh, SWAC Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, I think he got honored by uh, Reese's Senior Bowl, uh, mm-hmm. Black College Hall of Fame Player of the Week, um, SWAC Player of the Week, I think I mentioned. Uh, so might even have been Box to Row Player of the Week, uh, uh, needless to say, uh, tremendous praise. I, I will say on a personal note, I don't think it's a good thing that your safety is getting 15 tackles. I'm just Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, so right, right, right. Right. you said we, we can jump in, so let me jump in right now. Uh, that was one observation that I didn't bring up uh, in the earlier segment, and that was where was our linebackers, man? Uh, thank you. IDB, thank you. If, if the D line didn't make it, the DBs didn't make it too often. Um, I, I, I just thought we didn't play down. Our linebackers didn't play down here, man. I, people were asking his fans, "Where the linebackers?" So, so I it's the second you, I, week, Kelvin. It's the second week a defensive back has led the team in tackling, and Collier, who was the one last week, was the two this week. That can't be a good thing. It just can't be. They do do some things scheme wise. Marquise does blitz and he's on the line and they move him around. So from time to time, you know, you know, they, they'll, they'll probably get a few more uh, tackles than usual. But, but just in general, your statement is very accurate. We got to get more um, um, action from the linebackers. Yeah, I, I, I watched a play very early in that first possession by USF. And I think it was the the very first run. I think it was second down by USF, where I watched the two linebackers, and we're we're, we're in a four two. Uh, what it looked like we were in a four, almost four two. What's that? Six four two five, something to that effect. Where I watched the two the two linebackers literally rush right into the line, and all the quarterback did, oh, they just left the lane open. I'll dart to the right, and then I'll run twenty yards up the field. And I'm just like, what the. So I, that was my first inclination. I was like, oh, I see how Marquis got 15 tackles. If that was going on all game, I mean, there was no patience. I, I'm just you know, like, I, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, that. We'll leave that for other people to break down. I, I just, that that ticked me off. But anyway, the question I brought up Marquise for, uh, a lot of talk coming out saying, is Marquise Bell, we, we, we all will agree, he's probably our highest rated and, and top pro prospect. But could he become the highest drafted Rattler since Henry Lawrence in 1974 
who went 19th overall to the Oakland Raiders. Could Marquise be that kind of guy that goes high first round or mid first round, you know? It'll be interesting to see. Uh, Coach said definitely the scouts are calling. They're well aware of Marquise as the as the top prospect. And uh, so I think he said like 24 of the 32 NFL teams have called and inquired about Marquise at some point. And uh, so uh, he, he's definitely on his uh, track. We, we just – Look, uh, we can't say enough good things about Marquise Bell, so we'll just keep it moving. Uh, Coach, the question moved over to the quarterback, Flummy K. And uh, the biggest thing Coach brought up outside of the career starts thing that we mentioned earlier in the show, completion percentage is a real big issue. Uh, Now, I know McKay threw for 49 pass attempts. Uh, uh, You only get 51% of those. And Coach was saying the goal should be in the 60s, 65% actually was the number he threw out. And, and his biggest thing was Rashawn's not losing the game for us right now. And I, I think you both have said that, uh, you know, he, he's not necessarily winning it for us. He's not losing it, so to speak. And, and there's other things going on around. Coach brought up the fact that penalties uh, hurt us. We had eight penalties for 50 yards. We can think back to the penalties against Jackson State, drive-killing penalties, um, drop passes. There was a touchdown pass that was dropped by Xavier. You know, Xavier had, uh, what, 15 catches? Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, we'll remember the one he dropped in the end zone. I'm sure he does, too. I mean, look, let's let's keep it real. He, I'm sure he wanted that catch just as bad as anybody. But those are the kind of things that – are preventing us from reaching that 30-point average that Kofi wants us to hit so he doesn't have to pay me my my uh, can of uh, Dr. Pepper. Diet Dr. Pepper is what I like, Kofi. Diet Dr. Pepper. Beanie just to weenie, let you know. that's what you're getting. You're getting some beanie weenie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and here's one thing, guys, that I really thought was interesting. Coach brought up that this was the third consecutive week that they scouted a team uh, that when it was time to play, they came out in a completely different defensive set than what they, the coaching staff had scouted. Uh, he noted Jackson State, the, the, what, what film they scouted for Jackson State. Jackson State came out in an entirely different set. Fort Valley, the week before against Tuskegee, then they came to us, entirely different defensive set, and he said the same thing. USF in the last two weeks had been playing a completely different defensive set coming to our game, so – if we talk about the slow starts, there's your possible explanation a little bit on why it takes us a while to get going because we've been scouting for one particular look, and then when the game starts, we get an entirely different look. So, you know, well, that, I mean, that's an adjustment. Go ahead, Coach. That, no, I mean, that's, that's to me, that's, that's just basic football. Um you know, uh, even if you look at what Belichick do does on a consistent basis, um, every week their their defensive alignment is not what you're going to see. What you saw last week is not what you're going to see come this week. That's just basic common sense. But even if you look at it from uh, how Bill Walsh and even what Bobby Bowden and those used to do with the script of plays that they would do, for the first 15, regardless as to how you lined up, uh, they knew what they were going to do for the first 15 plays. 
And then from there, you know, they pretty much had, uh, I want to say, an eye or were able to make adjustments from there. But the first 15, they already knew what they were going to do. So that's just the mindset and I want to say an approach to the game plan that I feel uh, going forward is just something that we need to do, uh, you know, just looking at where we're going. I want to hop in real quick, Brian, and, and make yeah, two comments. Um, the first one is that uh, the offensive line play still is not consistent enough in the pass protection. Um, if you look, I had a chance to see it firsthand uh, this last game, and if you look at some of those throws midnight, three or four of them is just missed, just bad passes. But but then there was another seven or eight where, you know, guys were coming unblocked, right, or right in the passing lane. If you notice, he had a lot of tilt balls, a lot of tilt balls in the first half. So um, so 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 we still got to get better in our pass block and more consistent with it. And then the other thing I, I want I, I wanted to point out was man, plays were coming in late, man, and he was trying to get to the line and and uh and, you know with one second left on the clock trying to get the ball snapped and so forth. So I think our coaches have to help them to, and that's why I like the tempo so much, right? Because regardless of what team schemes the Teams they throw at you um, when you run tempo, they can't they can't change. They have to show their defense uh, what they're doing faster, um, and 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 I think that allows the offense to play faster and and, and get in the rhythm. So I, so I really think um, part of uh, what can help that is if they continue to stick with the game plan of tempo, and then you know when I don't care what defense in when you got six one. This one 235-pound running back uh, mashing you in the mouth for three, four quarters, uh, uh, it, it wear all the schemes out. So, I mean, I'm I'm literally seeing us have 2,000-yard backs, man. I think that that would be huge. Um, that happens, I would say, Katie, bar the door, that this is a legitimate, um, not only swack, uh, contender, but possibly uh, NCAA uh, making a nice run into the playoffs. Yeah, I, I again, I, I don't think we can survive on throwing the ball forty nine times and running. Let me look at. Let me let me go back and look here. Let, let's see. We throw the ball for forty times. We run the ball for twenty nine times. That that. That's a bad, that's a bad balance, in my opinion. Forty-nine to twenty-eight, forty-nine to twenty-nine, bad balance. We we we. I think that we got to be the. It's got to be flipped the other way. To be honest, it just has to be. With with that much inexperience in the quarterback position, we just. I mean, this is going to be where I think Coach Simmons kind of grows as a coach. I think he, he's going to have to make that adjustment and and sort of swallow a little pride. And say, okay, maybe we're not going to be able to pass as much, and I'm going to have to maybe go to the run more because play to your strengths. And I think we all said that. Uh, real quick, as I'm looking at the participation numbers, I noticed Jeremy Pruitt uh, was in the ball game. We got Jeremy Pruitt out there on the field. Uh, we still haven't seen Savion Williams yet. Uh, not really um, sure. What- I do have an update regarding that. 
and it's looking like ah, hold it, uh, hold it, hold it. We'll we'll share it. We'll share it. Coming out of the break, good tease, good tease. Well, let's take a break, and then Kofi's got some info regarding Savion Williams, and we'll kind of talk about the Rattlers going duck hunting in the next two years in the basketball program. So uh, they call that a good tease. So we'll tease that. We'll come back. We'll uh, we'll talk about Big Savion Williams and uh, this new uh, thing going on with the. Pack 12 and the, and the swag right after this. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi will be back right after these words. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and parenting education coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Let's get back to strolling instead of scrolling. Before we can safely come together, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your family. We don't duck and dodge. Ain't no ever waters on my schedule. 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 Ain't no ever words on my schedule. Just saying, just saying. We'll take what's made on. We're going to let you have the last word uh, in terms of uh, Alabama and the Anything that you want to share with your viewers. Any last thoughts you want to share? Can I have one share? Yeah. Oh, go, go Bulldogs. Hey, baby, y'all tune in ESPN this week. And uh, we're going to try to we're gonna try to make you proud. And uh, give you a good show, offensive, defensive, special teams, and uh, represent the way the Bulldogs represent. Don't worry. It's all a part of the game. Tune in every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern for Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Course, lecture, dismissed. It's like a loot machine. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, and Kofi here. Um, Kofi's got some breaking news for us coming out of the break regarding uh, Savion Williams. Let's see what you got for us, Kofi. Well, it doesn't appear as though um, we're going to be able to get him back um, this year. Um, We're looking for an appeal in regards to uh, his eligibility from the NCAA. So it's uh, that's where it's related. So hopefully, uh, God willing, um, we'll be able to get him back um, for next year for 2022. I'm just hoping that uh, this doesn't put a sour taste in his mouth and he has to transfer portal and he's gone. But um, this is just a microcosm of um, you know just the the way some of these different things uh these different things happen regarding the NCAA which is why 
I want to say our compliance and I want to say our P's and Q's in regards to athletics needs to even go to another dimension and level so that we can catch these sorts of things before the season starts. I think it's um, detrimental to a program to have something uh, of this nature to happen. And, you know, just piggybacking off of other things, um, there are several, and I guess we can hit on this maybe next week, uh, the number of players that we have had uh, into the Florida a University football program that have transferred in, and for whatever reason, we haven't been able to get them in because of our uh, policies and protocols and procedures. And just what I would say, I want to say a bunch of nothingness as to why we are unable to get these people um, to be a part of our football program or just athletics in general. I think it's something that definitely needs so as best as you can say, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to reveal more or ask you more than what you're able to provide. So is this a, a, uh, how would we describe this? A, a, an administrative or you mentioned the NCAA, NCAA thing. The Savion's, uh, issue is NCAA related from, uh, I want to say, um, an eligibility standpoint, I guess, with the credits that are being transferred from one institution to the next, from a progression, they have what's called the progression, whereas, you know, from your freshman year to your sophomore, you're supposed to have earned a certain amount of credits from your sophomore to junior, junior to senior. You're supposed to have earned a certain amount. And for whatever reason, uh, some of his stuff just got caught in the cracks and uh, things just got to I want to say um, put him at a deficit, unfortunately, and uh, hopefully it can get worked out and uh, we can get him back because he would definitely be a welcome asset. He came from Tennessee, correct? Is that the only school That's that correct. he was at? Tennessee? Correct. Okay. I think, was okay. he at a junior college, Kelvin, or no? University of Tennessee. Okay. I believe he came. He came. He went there from a junior college. Okay. Oh, okay. So, so he had. So you have junior college, the University of Tennessee, to transfer portal FAMU. Correct. Is that that's okay? So yeah, any anything could have happened along that trail there. It's, 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 it's a lot it's of very tricky. It's a very slippery slope, yes. and you need yep. people that know what they're doing, know the questions to ask, um, that are going to sit up and just basically do their job and cover um, that aspect so that we don't uh, miss out on people unnecessarily. Right. Well, we uh, we, we hope that uh, Big Savion is, uh, I know that's got to be a, a kicker and, and, and real depressing Sucks. news, but... Uh, yeah, really does. So hang in there, big fella. We we hope uh, you know, we we hope that you'll hang around and and hope that it all gets cleared up. Because uh, if we can't get you this year, we definitely want you around for the twenty twenty two season. Um, you know, so we'll we'll, we'll just kind of leave it at that. Uh, pretty depressing news. Uh, but okay, well, let me try to bring it back on the upbeat after that uh, bit of breaking news from uh, Kofi. Uh, appreciate you sharing that. The uh, Pac-12 and SWAC created an educational and basketball scheduling partnership. I'm, I'm curious about the key word there, educational partnership, 
Uh, it's a formation of a scheduling partnership, which essentially applies to the men and women's basketball program. That, in short, to, to cut through all of the all of the uh, blah 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 and the quotes and all of that, it's, it means that uh, the SWAC and the Pac-12 are going to have four years of playing against each other. And they're going to do it in two-year segments. So each conference has 12 teams. So six schools from the Pac-12, six schools from the SWAC will play home and homes beginning in 2022 and 2023. Then the remaining six schools will be doing a similar rotation in 2024 and 2025. So for FAMU, we are part of the first group of six. And so in, uh, and the dates are what I think are very key because they are dates when students are around, they're on campus. So November 10th through the 13th in 2022, FAMU will travel to Oregon. Uh, along with uh, Southern will travel to Arizona. Alabama State will travel to USC. And then Arizona State will travel to Texas Southern. Colorado will travel to Grambling. Washington State will travel to Prairie View A&M. Okay, that's in 2022. And then in 2023, November 9th through the 12th, they flip. So the Oregon Ducks will be coming to the Lawson Center the week uh, weekend of uh, November 9th through the 12th, 2023. Uh, that'll be big. That'll be a, a big-time opportunity for a Pac-12 program. Look, I'm excited the fact that we have three home games this year during the men's basketball season. After last year when the whole season was uh, away, uh, or whatever, was it last year or the year before, whichever year it was, uh, they get an opportunity in a couple years to host Oregon. And that'll, you know, obviously the Nike relationship is is key. That's, I think there's, I, I don't, I don't for a second doubt that that had something to do with us playing Oregon. I, I, I have no doubt that we're, we're playing Oregon as a night program going up to Oregon uh, and Oregon, Phil Knight, big booster. You know, I think that's big. So uh, just in, then, in general, go ahead. McCullum coached out there as well. So, you know, um, okay. he was an assistant yeah. at the University of Oregon as well. So that also um, played a major role in the scheduling of uh Oregon coming to the Lawson Center. Uh, what I think would be key is to see what happens with Bronny uh, over the next couple of years to see if uh, the Lord could swing him to the highest of seven hills, which I think would be even bigger um, when it comes to HBCU sports, so who we're you know able to recruit over the next couple of years. I think Bronny's freshman year in college would be 2023, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So that would be huge. That would be really, really huge. We have an opportunity to get our ducks in a row and really, really, really gain some positive momentum for our HBCU basketball program. I see what you did there, Kofi. Nice job. Um, (laughs) Kelvin, any thoughts on the scheduling matrix? Well, it, it, it makes sense. It's a huge opportunity for the SWAC. Now, you got to remember the SWAC has got a pretty good basketball pedigree. Um, you know, even FAMU has beaten Iowa State recently and so forth. 
But Texas Southern and uh, a couple of the better programs in the SWAC have routinely beaten um, uh, uh, Power Five schools in basketball. And there's some really big names, including former players who are part of the staff, yep. including like Alabama State, right? So, so yep. uh, I, it can it can be a win-win. Um, I, I would like to know if there's any financial um, uh, benefits to it, but just in general, the notoriety, the publicity, the exposure, it, it's a novel agreement. It's a necessary and relevant agreement right now with what's going on in the country. And um, I just hope that uh, that uh, we leverage that and we have competitive games and that we use this platform to elevate uh, the SWAC basketball, both men and, and men and women. Well, I think what's big is so many of our – so many of these schools traditionally don't have uh, home non-conference games. Like Texas Southern – will go play 13 games out on the road in the beginning of the non-conference that, you know, they, the, they get these edicts from the athletic director that, Hey, you got to bring in so much money. So that means what you got to travel. You don't have, because your fan base is not because you're not getting enough fans during the regular season or selling season ticket packages. You got to go out on the road. So again, we go back to that topic of supporting our programs. You know, we need, the local community. We can't just rely on the student body. It's got to be the local community, and we've got to advertise it. We got to promote it. We got to talk about it. We got to get out there, shake hands, kiss babies, be at the tailgates, run some camps. We got to let people know about our programs and get these folks to come. You, and then you got to play a good brand of basketball. You got you, you know, really that's the other part of it. No one wants to come watch you get beat by forty. So you have to come out and play a good brand and be competitive. Give me a half at least, and then, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. Get me to halftime, and then I, I, I can be on my way about the 10-minute about the mark in the second half, beat the traffic home. Uh, so that, that's what the people want. But if we're not giving them competitive games and it's a blowout after the first eight minutes, you know, no one wants to see that. Uh, so, yeah, interesting matchups. you got Southern with uh, their coach, uh, um, um, Sean Woods, uh, who, who's got the, the background, of course, Sean Woods, who former Kentucky Wildcat. Uh, you mentioned Mo Williams at Alabama State traveling to USC. Texas Southern, who who won a NCAA tournament game, and, and they're always competitive. Prairie View, always competitive. I mean, you know, really was the best team in the SWAT, I thought, and then just kind of, you know, they lost to Texas Southern. I mean, it just is what it is. Uh, Grambling had started to turn the corner and be competitive. So uh, I know these are a year away, but it, it hopefully these programs will maintain and continue to be strong. Uh, this mentioned women's too. Obviously, we don't know how it affects the women's. Um, I don't know if this is a men and women's doubleheader. That'll be interesting as well. But when it comes time for folks to come to the – when Oregon comes in November 23, we, we got to pack the Lawson. That that's got to be nine thousand easily. We we have to sell that place out. So just put that on your calendars, and uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully the program will continue trending direction it's going. All right, guys, let's uh, let's wrap up this week's show by taking a look at the week ahead in the SWAC. Of course, as mentioned earlier, our Rattlers are on a bye week, but the rest of the conference is playing. 
And so we're just going to kind of win-loss. No, uh, I don't have any spreads or anything like that. So we're just going to win-loss. And feel free to drop a score in there if you want to. Uh, Thursday night, uh, Alcorn State, the defending, well, let's say the 2019 SWAG East champions, taking on UAPB, the 2021 Spring West champions. A battle of champions on the bluff in Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, 6.30 kickoff on ESPNU. That's 7.30 Eastern. Who do you got in this one, Kelvin? I, I like uh, Alcorn effort against the FBS program under some adverse conditions this past uh, weekend. They were extremely competitive. And then um, – they, they, they have a nice win also over Matt Neese, who uh, I think squeaked out a victory over uh, Southern at, uh, this weekend. So I'm going with the Braves on this one. And um, I, I, I think, uh, you know, Pine Bluff is competitive. They have a nice team. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take uh, Alcon by double digits, 10, 10 to 13 points. All right, who you got, Kofi? I'm going to go with the Braves. Alcorn State, I think they're, you know, obviously when you play uh, University of South Alabama uh, the way that they did, that tells me that they are, they've made some tremendous strides after that North Carolina Central game, and uh, they're starting to put it all together. I think that they understand going into the SWAC that it's literally an us against the world because they won't have um, home field. Uh, due to the penalty that they they're having to endure because they they did not play in the spring, so they're going to have to be road warriors, and I think that that's going to bode well for their mentality going into these games. So they're going to see a a tougher um, Alcorn State team, and I think they were also in the press as well for their for the trainers. I think Dion was saying some stuff uh, to try to bring more awareness to um, what's needed to the program. Uh, that being said, Alcorn should probably win this game. They have the better QB play. Ooh, I don't know if they've got the better QB play. I, 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 I look as much. I'm talking about just this season. I, I, I tell you, I, I think don't sleep on, uh, on. Uh, you can't quarterback sleep from, on UAPB. You can't. But no, that no. Preseason, I picked Alcorn. I, I, you know, I'm gonna go with my. I'm looking at my schedule matrix on every game of the season that I pick. Uh, just by the way, I've been right on everything. I put question marks next to FAMU and Jackson State. By the way, I got that game wrong, but I did put question marks next to it. Uh, so I got to stick with Alcorn. I got to stick with Alcorn, but I will not be surprised if UAPB wins. All right, moving quickly on into Saturday, and this one, I think Jackson State. I think we'll all agree Jackson State, who's playing their first home game in Veterans uh, Memorial Stadium in Jackson against Delta State. I think Delta State is a Division II team. Uh, how many points will Jackson State beat Delta State by? That's the question I'm asking you, Kelvin and Kofi. Go. I don't, I, I'm don't. i not going to get out there too far. Now, Delta State is a top program in D2, and they used to play in Jackson State number one. And um, – they have a you know quality program, so I'm I'm going Jackson State nine, but don't be surprised if it's closer than experts think on that one. 
Yeah, buddy. Delta State can play. So uh, the the Jackson State defense is the separator. Um, mm-hmm. Is going to be the separator in this game. I don't think anybody uh, that Delta State plays is going to uh, come with the level of athleticism and speed that Jackson State's defense is going to bring. So I'm going to say Jackson State by at least 14. But that being said, uh, if, if, if J-State does not come to play, um, the Jackson State offense and Shadur and them will have some problems with the Delta State defense. You guys must have been talking about the, the that game that these two teams played back in 2010, which is the last time these two teams played, in which Delta State beat Jackson State 32 to 17. Is that what you're leaning on there with your analysis? No, there? just Delta State traditionally has a strong program. I mean, Mississippi has a number of quality athletes, and I, I don't think people understand how close the top teams in Division Two are when it comes to competing against FCS. Like if Florida and M University were to play Valdosta State or to play the University of West Florida, it would not be a blowout. It would be a very it would be a very, very good game. Fam, you would have their hands full with both Valdosta State and the University of West Florida. Please don't sleep on these teams. They get a lot of quality transfer people. They have excellent coaching. They've got speed. They understand how to put their players in space. They they tackle. They do the little things well. So if Jackson State does not come to play, they will be in for a rude awakening. I think you guys are giving Delta State too much credit. Jackson State will win this one by 21. Three touchdowns or more going away. Um, moving on to the Gulf Coast Challenge in Mobile, Alabama, a game that will be streamed, covered on the Black College Sports Network Saturday afternoon. It's Tuskegee versus Alabama A&M. Go, Kofi. A&M. And this is not Tuskegee's year. This is not a strong, killer Tuskegee team. Um, it is a rivalry game, but A&M should win this by 21. Agreed. Agreed. I, I don't have a whole – Kofi said everything. I don't think it's going to be close. Well, I'm calling the game, so I, I think I'm going to recuse myself from making a prediction. I think that's what they do on the big-time shows. They recuse themselves. But I agree with both of your analysis. Put it like that. <laughs> um, how about the State Fair Classic? Grambling, Prairie View A&M. How about Prairie View A&M? Sitting at 2-1 and one right now. Grambling State hasn't scored a point since week one. Haven't scored a point in the month of September. After two losses think, to FBS. Well, I think people are going to get a legitimate look at where Grambling really is. Um, and I, I would say the same thing also for Prairie View. I think people have been sleeping on Prairie View. Um, no, nobody's really talked a whole lot about them. Um, but Prairie View is my dark horse pick for the SWAC West. So uh, I'm going to go with Prairie View in this game by seven. Was that preseason? Preseason you had Prairie View? Dark Horse, yes. Go ahead, Kelvin. Well, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Prairie View, too, but closer as, as Lee Corso, closer than Esbert's think, though. 
they, they might be having a score <laughs> touchdown to go late to win. All right. Uh, my matrix says Grambling is supposed to win. I I want to root for a Prairie View A&M, though. I, I think that's the – they've impressed the heck out of me. Juwan Pass is a baller. He's going to he's gonna challenge a Quill Glass for Conference Player of the Year. I'm just telling you now. He's going to challenge him for it. Uh, it looks that way. So I'm going to stick to the Matrix. Grambling State by three. How about that? Um, in Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama, Bethune-Cookman taking on Alabama State. Ooh. Tough ball Cookman. game. Cookman. Cookman. How about you, Calvin? Cookman by seven. This is an elimination game. Whoever loses this game is out of the swag. He's running already. <laughs> so uh, it's going to be a dog fight. Um, to me, it's a awesome game. I want – I want to say Cookman, but in Tulsa game, I usually give a nod to the home team. So I'm going to say Belmont State by three. I'm going to go Cookman by two field goals. Cookman by two field goals. Um, that <laughs> game is on ESPN Plus, by the way. Uh, Texas Southern is traveling, playing Rice. Uh, or well, no, yeah, Texas they're traveling. Win. That's what I'm choosing. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, next next game. Okay. Now, the last game, interestingly enough, it's on a Sunday between Southern and Mississippi Valley State. It's being played in Itabina, 2 o'clock in the afternoon on ESPN+. Plus. It's in Jackson. That game's in Jackson. Is it? Yes. Okay. It's a double. It's, um, it's a it's a some some type of they wanted to combine the weekend, so I wanted they wanted to take advantage of the uh, Southern University and Mississippi Valley crowd. So the largest stadium, um, right? That game's in Jackson, but Southern University okay. is going to beat Valley. Oh sure, beat sure, in. yeah, I I could I could see that. Yes. What about you, Kelvin? Yeah, yeah, clean yeah, sweep. It won't, be, it won't I, be close. It won't be close. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm gonna go clean sweep with you guys. All right, well that that covers. The weekend uh, for the SWAC. And uh, again, want to encourage you to make sure you're following us on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at ONG Strike Zone. Go download that Jericho Broadcast Networks app. Uh, my JBN, my BCSN is where you can download it. Make sure you, uh, in the survey or if they ask you, where did you hear about this app, make sure you say the ONG Strike Zone. Let them know that we're the ones who referred you to the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. And, of course, you can always send us your thoughts and comments. We want to hear from you, Rattler Nation. Let us know what you agreed with, disagreed with. ONGStrikeZone at gmail.com is the email. We'll have uh, more mail time next week. And, of course, you can always, as you watch our show on uh, YouTube or Facebook, or if you're listening to it on the podcast, the Pod Zone, the BCSN Pod Zone, which is available everywhere you download and listen to podcasts. You can actually send us your thoughts and comments in uh, any one of those methods. So that's going to do it for tonight. Thanks for hanging in there. Thanks to our producer, my co-host on another show, the sports rap, A.D. Drew, who is in there. He's a rattler too. So uh, all love on this, uh, on this show. We appreciate him sticking in there, hanging in there with us. Uh, That's going to do it for this one. So for Kelvin and Kofi, I'm Brian. Thanks for watching rattler nation. Make sure to go out and strike, strike and strike again. 
Do it well. Be safe. All right. Peace out.